This is the story about the power of belief. And welcome to the Rick Deal Double G podcast. Let's get it. You know me, but you don't know me. Boss, be free, day, taking my ZZ. The place that no nigga kids on the floor today. They bring the east more while you kick down the door. Nobody just falls, stones on don't face, just confused. All right, all right, all right. How y'all doing out there? It's been a minute, but I'm back. Back in action. Representing the Bay, San Jose, California, eh? From the 408, you know. Out here in Columbus, Ohio, it's always further. Got a little story about the power of belief for everybody out there willing to listen. Once again, I always have good content. So let's get right into it. Got a couple stories here. And it's interesting because I, being a former athlete, musician or whatever, tides can change at any moment. But if you have someone backing you up, or if you can self back you know back back yourself up, it's interesting how things can change in a heartbeat. So I'm gonna I got three stories. You know some haters out there probably, but I don't care because this is real. This is the real double dizzy stuff. All right, <clears throat> little thirteen year old kid from London, Ontario, Canada, and. uh Shows up to a producer's, you know, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Scooter, Scooter Braun, I think his name is. Anyways, guy shows up, little kid with his mom, and then there's uh, and then there's Usher there. Usher's like, yo, I heard you on YouTube. Here's a guitar. Play me one. Play me, play me a song. I want to see what you're all about. Little kid, thirteen-year-old boy. From London, picks up his guitar, and absolutely murders it. Justin Bieber, clearly. But I'll tell you what, man. When I was 13, I ain't picking up no guitar in front of... If Prince showed up, or fuck, you know, Boys to Men, or anything. Michael Jackson showed up and said, they play this for me. I'm probably going to be like, it. so the guitar is out of tune or I ain't just going to show up and kill it. Well, Justin Bieber believed in himself. His parents did too. But only picked up a guitar in front of producers that are good. That, that, you know, this is a one-time opportunity for him to become, not even famous, but to prove that this is who I am. This is without hesitation, kids picks up a guitar and just murders it. Wow. Power of belief. You're like, oh, he's a phenomenal talent. Yeah, no shit. How did he get there? He believed himself. He had people backing him up as well. But at that moment, when someone hands you an instrument and says, play me what you got. At that moment, Justin Bieber believed in himself. Moving right along. Really quickly. Try not to make this a super long cast. There's this guy named Sonny Moore. And uh, Sonny Moore played in a punk rock band. They were called, uh, they were called First to Last. 
played on Warp Tour. Now, I used to play in punk rock bands, and, and if you made a Warp Tour, like, you had made it. You, you That was... You, that, you're going on tour with 311, no effects, Pennywise, you know. Uh, I mean, these, these big-time punk bands, and... And that normally would be enough for anybody that was in that scene. I mean, Fall Out Boy, I can go on. I'm just, they're just popping in my head, Alien Ant Farm. But that would be enough for anybody to continue down that route. This guy named Sonny, he was a lead guitar player, lead singer. He went through a, um, like a, vocal, a vocal issue. And the guy didn't even graduate high school. He just wanted, he loved music. You know, I've seen a documentary on him. He talks about how much he tried to be good at sports he he, he he wanted he wanted to play sports he didn't he wanted to fit in he wanted to be part of the crowd skateboarder dude and eventually one day he he really could you know from from what I know and I could be completely wrong you can check me on this but he eventually was like I'm gonna I'm gonna branch off and do my own thing and he worked with some other bands like some metal bands some rock bands and then he started. He got you know. He, he started creating his own music via laptop. So he's like now he's now he's creating what you know what we call EDM ish music. And it, you know he goes he he starts his MySpace page. He's playing these clubs as a DJ in LA. He's got like like fifty people. Any of his shows are just not a lot of people. He gets a phone call from. You know, he he'd hired somebody to help you know represent him as a as a DJ, and they're like, we need a last minute. He's in LA, and Coachella isn't that far. At three p.m., you know, we need somebody to fill in this tent. Now, ten shows at Coachella are pretty big deals too. You don't you don't just walk up and get a show at Coachella in general. And so yeah, we'll be there. And bunch of haters. Nobody ever is like, what? Who's this guy? Shows up, murders it. Shows up and, and, and just I I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna present my music and I've been practicing this. And they don't they're never gonna think they're never gonna even know I played guitar in a rock band, punk rock band. And his name is Skrillex. Top twenty five DJ in the unit in, in the galaxy. Guy goes from playing in a punk rock band to being one of the, not the creator of dubstep, but probably one of the biggest influencers of dubstep as we know it. And one of the most popular names as a DJ that if you know, if you don't know, now you do know, but as most people know DJs. Sonny Moore, Skrillex. Traded his guitar for a computer to create music on his own. Why? Because he didn't give a fuck about the haters. He believed in himself. He, he's like, I'm going to make it. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I want to create music. I don't want to spend 15 to 20 hours a day doing what I, want, what I love, what I want to do. And I'm going to make it happen. And guess what? Oh, isn't, it, isn't it weird that also he did make it happen? And if you're going to sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to go with this punk rock guy over here. And, uh, what I want you to do is put your guitar down and... Grab a computer and then make it as a top nine DJ in the universe. Let's see you do that in three years. Impossible. Not going to happen. Never, probably won't ever happen again, but 
What did Sonny believe? What did Skrillex believe in? He believed in himself. He believed that he was going to make it no matter what. He didn't. Haters going to hate, but he did not give up on his goal. Oh, yeah. You know, he, you know, talented guy, duh. You know what? You can, there's a, I know a bunch of talented people that ain't doing shit with their lives. But I know a couple that have done everything they can. And they are everywhere they can be. Because they believed in themselves. You know, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. That's a good segue. He believed in himself. He never gave up. He believed that he was going to be good. And guess what? Michael Jordan ended up being a pretty good basketball player. There's a coach named Jim Valvano. Now I'm going to switch over to, okay, talking about believing in yourself. Now I want to talk about the power of belief within, an, like within a team, within a structured zone, within a couple people. If you have a group, is it, is it, does it work the same? It does work. I mean, it, 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 it works differently to an extent level when you can do the follow the leader, okay? And it, it's a trickle-down effect for belief. In 1980, a coach named Jim Valvano... He got hired for the NC State Wolfpack basketball team, college basketball team. Guy's from New York. He's a he's a loudmouth talking this New York guy, and he shows up, and and everyone's like, "You guys hired this this guy? You hired?" And um, so you walk into the locker room first day of practice with these you know seniors, juniors, sophomores that have been with the program, and the freshmen haven't seen anything different, but these other, the upperclassmen are like, all right, the coach comes in the locker room and he says, all right, let's get on the court. First day of practice, let's go. Everybody goes out there, they all grab the basketballs, and he, and he says, hey, put the basketballs away. And everyone's like, what the? Okay, the coach wants a meeting. Well, Coach Valvano pulls out a ladder Sets it right under the nets. And I don't know if, uh, you know, whoever's listening, but when you win like a, a championship or a league championship, as a basketball team, you cut the nets down and everybody gets to keep a piece of that net. I mean, win a national championship, you do. And so Coach Valvano, on his very first day, these people, he's, you know, these people, these athletes that he's never, ever met, he goes out there, pulls a ladder out, has a pair of golden scissors, he says, everybody come over here. We're gonna practice down cutting, we're gonna practice, sorry, we're gonna practice cutting down the nets. Because when we win a national championship, I want to make sure that we that we don't shoot, we don't go up there and we don't look like we don't know what we're doing. And immediately everybody's like, what the I mean that would that would put me back. I'd be like, what is this guy's insane? What is he what is he doing? And so everybody goes up there, and it's awkward. It's awkward. This is the, these are the stories that I've heard, by the way. Of course, I wasn't there. And, and they go on, and they lose that, you know, that season. They think they, they make the tournament, they lose. The next season, they don't even make the tournament. And in 1983, which is one of the all-time sports history of sports upsets, besides the miracle hockey team in 1980, this team goes on to win the national championship. 
And so there they are, first you know, first day of practice again, 80, 83. Practicing cut down the nets, but now they now now he's got these guys believing in him. They're like, yeah, we're going to cut the foot. He's like, well, today's practice, we're going to cut down the nets. First day of practice, let's do it. And they're up there, and they're having a good time. They go through the season. Now, I want to remind everybody here that this was also when Michael Jordan was playing for North Carolina. And on Houston was uh, Akeem Olajuwon, and uh, who else was on that team? We had uh, Clyde Drexler. <laughs> and so, like, there, there was no chump. These guys were going up against these uh, soon-to-be NBA legend all-stars. And so we're going to kind of, I'm going to fast forward through. So they make, so they don't even win their, they don't, they don't get ranked. So they have to go on to win their division, uh, their, their conference to, to make the tournament. And they end up doing that, which is, you know, that was nuts. They had to play Virginia and they had uh, Samson, Ralph Samson. He's like seven feet tall and they just hand him the ball and he put it in. But they beat, somehow they find a way to win. They go to the tournament. Moving all the way through the end of the tournament now. They beat Jordan. They beat Samson again. And they go on to play Houston, who, like, who I said they, you know, Lajuan, you know, Drexler. These guys would just dunk the ball. And and uh, Coach Valvano and NC State, they were just like an outside shooting team. And so Coach Valvano would come up with this game plan where he talks to the press and he's like, we're going to hold on to the ball. We're not going to, you know, they can dunk on us all day, but we're going to get the ball and tip offs at 7.05 and we're going to take our first shot around... 8.30 and it'll be halftime. It'll be hopefully 2-0, you know. But but telling the press all this, you know. And now let me rewind a little. You know, I'm bouncing back and forth, but Coach Valvano was a believer. Okay, and, and this is a story called the, the Gift My Father Gave Me, and it's one of Coach Valvano's stories. You know, he grew up in Long Island, New York, and he would go home. You know, in between his basketball coaching careers and years, he would sit at the table, he'd have a big Italian dinner, take like three and a half, four hours, and, you know, but he would talk to his dad, he's like, Dad, I'm, I'm going to win a national championship, and, you know, everybody in the family's like, oh, nobody wants to hear that, but his dad would say, yeah, I got you, you know, I got you. And then one one dinner, he um, he calls up his son, Coach Valvano, he call, you know, he's like, Jimmy, come upstairs with me, and Coach Valvano's like, you can never you never go into your dad's room or your mom's room. That was like an off-limit thing in our family. You never ever enter the room. And so here's, you know, my dad, Coach Valvano saying this, calling him up to the room. And he closes the door. And he says, Jimmy, he says, I know you're gonna win a national championship. And he points down to the floor. And there's two suitcases down on the floor, and he says, My bags are packed for you. He says, I know. You're going to win, and my bags are packed, and I will be there the day you win, and I know you're going to make it. My bags are packed. You see that? I know you're going to be there. And Coach Valvano talks about saying, every time I hung up the phone with my dad, I, I just I always felt better. And he says, the gift my father gave me, he says, the most important gift I ever had in my life is that he believed in me. No matter how low I was, no matter the peak of my career, no matter if I was down and out, if I was crying, if I didn't have anything, 
My father believed in me. He said, my bags are packed and I'm going to be there when you make it. And I'll be there. The power of belief. So there they are. National Championship game. Coach Valvano is told to press and everybody. It's like, we're going to hold on to the ball. Ain't doing nothing. Coach Valvano goes in the locker room, closes the door. And he, and he addresses the team. He says, if you think we're going to hold on to this fucking ball, you are out of your minds. We're going to grab this ball and we're going to shove it right down their throats. And I don't know if anybody's ever been a part of an athletic or competition, but when for, for a week and a half, when your coach has told you something else, when he comes in and flips the script like that, every you know, you're like, holy, let's, you know, everyone's like, let's go. Let's get this. And this is an emotional little piece because, you know, there's a 30 for 30 on this. It's called Surviving Advance, but the assistant coach, you know, Valvano walks out of the locker room. And the assistant coach says, he says, I swear to God, I was standing right there and I was, I was, I was holding the door open. And he said, none of the boys, none of these young men walked out that door that night to the court. He said, they ran through the wall onto that court. They, were, they nobody, nobody went to the door. I don't remember seeing it like that. I remember seeing everybody break through the brick wall onto the court. He believed that they were going to win that game. There's 13 seconds left. They get a turnover. They're, they're down, a, down a point. Call a timeout. They set themselves up for a final shot to win the national championship game against Phi Slamma Jamma, which is the nickname. They made their own fraternity for how dope this basketball, Houston basketball team was. Because all they would do is murder teams. Come out, inball the bound, and they were, this other team is playing man to man. Basically, it means everyone's one on one. They come out, they're playing defense, they're playing, they're trapping all of a sudden. And the play was designed to set a pick to get someone off. And now the ball is going. So now there's, I don't think it was like 13 seconds left. And they're just throwing the ball around. And they didn't get it to, uh, I think, Derek Wittenberg. Finally, they're trying to use the, the three point. He, you know, he was their guy. And, and, but he's about eight feet off the three-point line, too. No timeline. Throws up a Hail Mary shot. Looks straight. Just no, not enough distance. You know, never, it's in slow motion right now. Everyone's watching this. It's like, is that going to go? Oh, man, it don't look like it's going in. And um, Lorenzo Charles, instead of watching the ball, He's like, I can, I can probably get to this. I can get to this ball and I can put it in before any, because nobody else was going for the, everybody was watching the ball. And so he jumps up, grabs the ball, puts it in the, into the net. No time left. And NC State wins the national championship. And all hell breaks loose. Everyone's running around. Coach Falvano's running around looking to give a hug. And he can't find the person he always hugs after the game. But the players talk about this. They say, eventually when we went down to cut down the nets, it was like we'd already we'd already been there. We, we'd already we've already been to the, we've already been here. We were here already, and that trickle down effect of belief. This, this, this Coach Valvano's father believed in him so much that he believed in himself, and he made the team believe no matter what they were going to win. It didn't matter. They're going to find a way to win, and they did. It's the power of belief.
It's the most beautiful armor. It makes for the heaviest sword. JM. I mean, and it's important that we all understand. We make we like to make excuses. I make a hell of a lot of excuses. But if you take a step back and you and you and you acquire a goal, you dream, you reach, you believe that goal, and you achieve it. You dream, you reach, you, you believe, you achieve. It sounds simple, but shit. I just gave you three stories of where that that is the exact recipe for success. And and don't give a don't give any don't don't care about it. no matter what your goal is, if if, if it's worth if it's worth everything you got, you believe that you can achieve that goal. And so I, I want to know what people think about that. You know, oh, talented, you know, talented this, talented that. Well, you know, talent gets you so far. But if you believe in yourself, or if you find someone that believes in you, or a group that believes in each other, Stick with that belief, but everybody's got to be on board. Everyone's got to be on the bus in the right seat moving forward, and that's very important. And that's the power of belief. And this is the Rick Deal Double Jizzy podcast. Thanks for listening. We out.